Hi, I'm Josh Shearer and I serve as the lead pastor here at Gawley Uniting Church. I wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. We exist as a church to see lives transformed with the good news of Jesus. Now, I hope this service inspires you. I hope it blesses you. I hope it builds your faith and I hope it gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. If there is anything that we can do to help you, don't be afraid to reach out on social media or email our office. Thanks for joining us again and let's get to the service. that work in this world that try to stop us praising our God. I prepared a PowerPoint presentation that I brought along this morning and when I walked up Tim said to me um, I, I'll try and do it but I'm doing both jobs up here this morning. That's the first thing that had gone wrong. He puts my PowerPoint presentation in and part of it's not there and I know <laughs> I'm sure it was there but we're Christians and we're here, and we are not going to be defeated. Doesn't matter what the world tries to do to us, we're not going to be defeated. So when you see that the Bible reading, which I'm going to bring to you now, is probably the same Bible reading that you heard last week, that's not a mistake. It's because we are looking at prayer, and it's, we were told in Matthew what we have to do. So I'm starting again like we did last week at Matthew 6, verse 6, and then reading through from 8 to 15. Now verse 15 is the very important one, of, of, sorry, verse 14 is the very important one that I had highlighted. Um, so I want you to try and remember that. So reading the Gospel reading this morning from Matthew 6, verse 6, 8 to 15. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And if you remember what Josh was telling us last week, that's exactly what, when the disciples asked Jesus, Jesus teach us how to pray like t John taught his disciples how to pray. And that's what um, Jesus said to the disciples. And then he went on. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So as I said, today is part two of our series, Grown Up Prayers. Last week, the Reverend Josh began the series and he looked at that reading that told us how when we pray, we need to be remembering who God is and who we aren't. So his will takes precedence over ours. 
It was the first part of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, it seems that many of us grew up praying, but our prayers didn't grow up with us. We pray pretty much the way we've always prayed. We pray the way we were taught to pray as children. Some of us, that's good, and some, as we discovered last time, may not be so good. And speaking of last time, in part one of the series, we discovered that we're not the first group of grown-ups who never learned to pray grown-up prayers, as I mentioned at the beginning. Apparently, many of Jesus' closest friends and followers never learned either. It was something they became acutely aware of when they listened to Jesus pray, and if he was doing it right, they had a lot to learn. So they finally mustered up the nerve and they asked him, and as you heard, that was the first part of today's reading. Like many of us, they'd been praying their entire lives. In some cases, they'd been praying the same prayers. It was time to move on. It was time to learn to pray like grown-ups. I would imagine that this is something that uh, you've never ever asked anyone to teach you to do. Please teach me how to pray. And if someone suggested that you should learn to pray after hearing you pray, I'm quite sure you would be offended. Now, you know, as I said, it turns out like the disciples, some of us haven't been praying as well as we could have been. Or to be more specific, we haven't been praying in the way that Jesus prayed and the way he instructed his followers to pray. Jesus firstly tells the disciples and us to acknowledge God, which Eloise was referring to, and give him the respect and acknowledgement due to him. Firstly, as Josh told us, we're to pause and acknowledge who we're addressing. And then remember why we pray. The purpose of prayer, it is to do God's will. Let God's will be done right here, right now in our life, our relationships, our resources and our plans. And then after we've done this, Jesus then moves to where we often begin our prayers. Give us, or perhaps rather, give me. But it isn't a request time that we begin with. Jesus isn't taking requests. Jesus isn't Santa, where we list off things that we want or desire. So what does Jesus tell us? Well, he lists off that we should ask for three things in particular. Three things. And if I, when I was thinking about these and through my research, I, they, the, they can be summarised in the following way. He tells us to ask for provisions. He asks for protection. And this is the rest of the prayer as it goes on. He asks for protection and also ask for pardon. Now, I'm only dealing with the first two today. You will hear, I think it's from Mel next week, 
about the last one, about pardon, the lead us not into temptation bit. So, Mill, that's where I'm going to stop when I get there. Don't panic. Verse 11, give us today our daily bread. It's something that most of us don't worry about too much, I'm quite sure. And some of us eat more than our daily bread. When Jesus' first century audience heard this though, they were immediately reminded of the time when their ancestors climbed out of their tents out in the desert every morning and collected just enough bread for the day. God was teaching the nation of Israel to recognise their dependence on him. He warned them that the day would come when they were going to have more bread than their daily bread and that nations would come to buy bread from them. But don't be deceived, he said. Even when you get plenty, you're no less dependent on me than you are this day here in the desert. And exactly the same is true for us. Even though we have plenty, we are still dependent on God. This is when we start reminding ourselves that God is our ultimate provider, not just of what we eat, but of everything. We have little to no control over many of the things that have faced, that have faced us in our times or circumstances when we are reminded of just how dependent on God we really are. The day will eventually come for all of us, whether it's health, income, food, the physical or mental health of someone we love. We will be dependent on God. Suddenly we're reminded just how dependent we are on the things that we have absolutely no control over. And so that's what that little verse means. Give us today our daily bread. Not purely our sustenance, not purely food, but absolutely everything. And no matter how much we have got, there is always more or something that we need from God. And so we are always dependent on God. Now secondly... Jesus goes on to tell us the next thing that we need to pray about. And I won't ask you to tell me what, verses, what Matthew 6 verses 12 says, but I think you're probably thinking about it already. And it's, and forgive us our debts as we also, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Or it may have been, if you remember, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Whatever, it, whichever way it's written, it is exactly the same. But it's interesting, actually, that 
when you were taught to pray, if you were ever taught to pray growing up, um, you know, probably at, at Sunday school, the second part of that, that verse is the bit that was probably forgotten. And we forget the bit that says, have forgiven our debtors. We always remember and forgive us our debts. That's us, no? But then we tend to forget as we also forgive our debtors. Now this is a request with a bit of a catch. Because we are forgiven in the same way and to the same degree that we have forgiven other people is what it means. We must, and I'll repeat that, we are forgiven and in the same way and to the same degree, we must forgive other people. God forgave us and as his followers, we are required to do unto others what God, through Jesus, has done for us. In about three words, or no, five words, we forgive because we are forgiven. To ask God to forgive you while refusing to forgive your brother-in-law, you know, your ex, your manager or your neighbour, or to ask God to do for you, us, what you're unwilling to do for someone else reduces God to no more than a cleaning product. Just a cleaning product. Someone who simply wipes away the dirt. And that type of prayer reduces God, as I say, to a conscience cleaner. We pray and ask God to forgive our sin he forgives our sin, cancels our debt and forgets all about it. We feel really good. We feel much better about ourselves because we've asked God to do it and we know that God does what we ask. So we can feel okay. But at the same time, we are not about to forgive the person that we have wronged. Contrary to what you may have learnt or been told, prayer isn't just a conscience cleaner. The reason that we confess our sin is to restore and maintain fellowship and relationship with God. The reason that we confess our sins is to restore and maintain our fellowship and relationship with God. The reason that we forgive others is to ensure that the door is open then to those who have sinned against us in case they come to their senses, we could say, or realise what they've done and also ask forgiveness. It's not necessarily a return to the way that things were. Sometimes that's never ever possible, but it does open the door if it will event that it may eventually happen. By forgiving ahead of time, 
we've released the person from a debt that they may never be able to pay anyway. When we forgive, we are doing for them what God did for us. God announced our forgiveness ahead of time and we should do the same. Refusing to forgive while asking to be forgiven makes us one of those folk Jesus talked about at the beginning of this prayer lesson. It makes us a hypocrite, one who stands on the corner and babbles on. It makes us a pretender, a user. Jesus tells us to let go of our well-rehearsed stories that justify our anger, prejudice and resentment, the things that make us feel good and allow us to feel that we are justified in not forgiving if we have been hurt by someone. We need to throw them out. Forgiving is hard to do, but when we do, we can honestly say we have forgiven anyone who has wronged us, we have a freedom that is above any other type of freedom that you can have. If we pray the way Jesus tells us, life will be better and we will be better at life. Forgiving makes you a better husband, a better wife, a better friend, a better parent and a better neighbour. Being able to forgive is so important that Jesus goes on a few verses after he had finished teaching about prayer and tells us about it again. You may have noticed that the, the prayer, the Lord's Prayer ends in the reading that we had with, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It doesn't go on for the highness, the kingdom, the power and the glory. That wasn't what Jesus said at all, actually. That apparently was put in by a scribe who was writing the, the uh, Bible, the, the, was it Matthew, was writing it up and thought it would be a good idea to put it in there and so it's been in and that's why some churches leave it out. But what Jesus went on to say then at the end of that prayer was verse 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now you sort of say, hang on a bit there, Daryl. What are you talking about? God forgives everything. You might be thinking that, yeah, you know, there's something wrong with me. Well, yes, God does. But he also says, don't be a hypocrite. And as we heard last week, you know, the hypocrite was the person who, as I said, who puts on false appearances and all sorts of things about religion and a person who acts in a contradictory way to their stated beliefs or feelings. So in other words, you say I'm a Christian, but you don't act like it at all. You 
expect to be forgiven. I expect to be forgiven. So we must also forgive. Not only does God know what you need before you ask, God also knows what's in your heart. And we are told, blessed are the pure in heart, because according to Jesus who said this, they will see God, recognise God, and be more attuned to what God is up to and how he wants you to act and behave. Before I go any further, or before we can go any further with our prayers, the way Jesus wants us to pray grown-up prayers, I ask, is there anyone that you've refused to forgive? You or me? We may have a reason not to forgive. It may feel like we're rewarding the person who hurt us or letting them down off the hook if we forgive them. Our friends and our family often even believe and agree that we're right in being upset and angry and, and completely justified in not giving that person. I mean, how could you after what they did to you, for goodness sake? You don't have to forgive them. But Jesus wouldn't. Jesus would not think that way. Jesus wouldn't because he knows what a lack of forgiveness in the human heart does. If we claim to be a believer in what Jesus did for us, then would we be willing to decide to cancel that debt? I think you know the answer. Would we be willing to decide that they don't owe us anymore? If not, and Jesus is correct, that's as far as our prayers can take us. We cannot go any further. If you don't forgive, you can't get past a certain point in your prayer life. It's a prayer where we want to impose our will, you see, and not surrender to God's will. And we can't move on to the peace and the freedom that God would have us know. When we allow ourselves to get stuck in our prayers on, God, I'm not sure I can let this go and forgive that person, then we are reminded that more of our attention is on what someone else has done to us than where we are in our relationship with our God. But as soon as we're able to focus on what God wants us to do and how we should respond to his great love, it's easier for us to do that last part that Jesus was telling us, to forgive others. So let's use grown-up prayers. Pray the way Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Honour God with fervent, honest prayer, acknowledging who God is and praising him and knowing that he will provide for us 
and that we as his people need to be able to forgive just as God forgave and pardoned us. Would you pray with me now the prayer that Jesus taught the disciples, the model on which all of our prayers can be based? Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.